This is a topic I love. Others-centered love, the way of peace. Um, what it is and how to recognize it, part one. I think you're going to enjoy it. Um, okay, very good. Obstacles. I want to begin with a breakdown uh, with this Henry Nouwen devotional called Obstacles to God's Love. It's a little heavy, but you can handle it. Okay, so get ready. What keeps us from opening to the reality of the world? Could it be that we cannot accept our powerlessness and are only willing to see those wounds that we can heal? Hmm. Could it be that we do not want to give up our illusion that we are masters over our world and therefore create our own Disneyland where we can make ourselves believe that all events of life are safely under control? Could it be that our blindness and deafness are signs of our own resistance to acknowledging that we are not the Lord of the universe? That's going to be hard for some people to hear because some people think they're the center of the universe. You've met them. It's hard to allow these questions to go beyond the level of rhetoric and to really sense in our innermost self how much we resent our powerlessness. The astonishing thing is that the battle for survival has become so normal that few people really believe that it can be different. Oh, how important is discipline Community, prayer, silence, caring presence, simple listening, adoration, and deep, lasting, faithful friendship. We all want it so much. And still, the powers suggesting that all of that is a fantasy are enormous. But we have to replace that battle for power with the battle to create space for the spirit. It's not about us creating a space, because if you overread that and overthink it, it could imply then we have to make room for God to find a way in. No, this is about the awareness of the presence of God. We're so busy trying to take care of everything else that we don't take time for that quiet, disciplined stillness. We are distracted by problems other people's opinions because we're still trying to find our self-worth. We're still trying to be liked by people and therefore don't want to create confrontations and sometimes that's smart not to. Some people are way too quick to jump in and, well, I'm just speaking my mind. Well, you ain't got much left, do you then? No, I'm just kidding. But it's the idea of trying to combat and react to everything. If we live our lives reacting constantly, it's exhausting. Because one of the opinions of an exhausted person is going to be, uh, I'm just done with all this, or I'm done with that. I'm, I, I'm checking out, and that means you're overstressed. Your bandwidth is maxed, and you haven't recognized the presence of the divine in you and in your mind. This isn't about doing something to get that. This is about processing your awareness. Ask God to reveal his presence to you, in you, so we can walk through this stuff together. So what is others-centered love? Let's begin with this. This is from Brian Zond. I just saw this. I thought it was amazing. 
It's been said that no one ever became a Christian because they lost an argument. (laughs) I suspect this is true. I also suspect far more people than we imagine have become converts to Christianity for the simple reason they were charmed by the beauty of Christ. I think back to the song Lori did, Good, Good Father. I would, I would much rather ground Christian faith on the beauty of Christ than on biblical literalism. Biblical literalism can be debunked by a college freshman, but the beauty of Christ can withstand the most formidable, uh, form, formidable attack, bleh, tongue-tied, that even Nietzsche can master. If I'm hedging my bets on the survival of Christian faith as we hurtle into a secular age, it's because the king's heart is still so beautiful. I'm willing to bet my grandchildren's faith on the beauty of Christ. A phrase that I've been hearing lately that has been very helpful is, oh my goodness, really? Carrie? A friend of mine, Carrie and Peggy Hayward. Hey, good morning, I can't believe it. I just drove past the house. I just got distracted. Look, a squirrel. (laughs) Seriously, I haven't heard from them for years and years and years and years. That's so cool. Yay. Say hello to me on Facebook. That's really cool. Sorry, it just made my day. Bizarre. Now i got to change my topic. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Where was I going with this? Oh, yeah. A phrase that I've been hearing that's connected to this. People are afraid that, some people are saying, I'm not a Christian anymore. And I can understand that. I can understand that people are saying that because what, what is Christian anyway? Is it the religious judgmental group of people that are against everything and the, probably becoming the most unloving people unless you're part of their club? And then you have to act according to their principles and rules. And then they pull up Bible verses to prove their point, which is this whole biblical literalism thing, and they totally don't catch the love of God. I'm okay with people saying I'm not a Christian anymore. And for those that are Christians, then go, oh, oh, oh no, they've fallen from God. Oh, quit it. Christ holds them together too, so chill. Quit being so judgmental. You also don't know what they're reacting to because the system of what they might be, say they're no longer part of, you're probably actually not a part of that system either because you're growing more in grace. You are moving and growing and changing. Even your theology, your, your concept of who God is is getting bigger and better. Uh, in our small group on Friday, we talked about a, it being a hope-filled perspective. That's what we're going for. How do you balance that with where we've been and to where we are now? Well, that's your personal journey. It's my personal journey. But here's the point of this. I'm going to go with what Jesus says. When you're struggling with an opinion of how you should react to someone or something, something you don't quite like, go with Jesus' reaction. How would Jesus react? The loving Jesus. You're not going to go wrong. But the Bible plainly says. No, it doesn't plainly say. It only says it plainly to you based on your biases. Every one of us. But one thing that plows through all that personal opinion is the love of Christ. That's what we're here for. I've had people ask me, do you stand up for this right? Do you stand up for that? Are you pro this or pro that? Or I'm thinking, uh, I'm pro love. I'm pro love of God. I don't want to put a subtitle on Hope Fellowship. Oh yeah, we're this, this, and this. 
because now we just highlighted a topic that, wait a minute, we're gonna miss somebody. Now we become exclusive. I, don't, I wanna be inclusive. And the love of Christ includes everyone. Right? Amen. Thank you! There's one Pentecostal here. Or a wannabe. <laughs> you just... <laughs> but it's true. Love has to win. Love has to be the final and first response. Now, it might take practice. I am personally going through a journey. The practice of reacting lovingly. It's not always easy. Sometimes we need humor to do that. <laughs> but it's the heart that needs, the, sorry, the mind. Your heart's good, remember? Your mind needs the change. Because you've created a pattern of reacting to people your whole life. You've had this opinion your entire life. And suddenly God shows you something else that doesn't fit that because you didn't realize it was less loving until Jesus points this out and goes, now let me introduce you to this. Let's stretch you a little bit. Do you love them? Uh, I guess you do. Yeah, exactly. We're to see each other after the light and love of Christ in them. Not after the flesh, not after the ego, not after the external. We see each other as spirit, life, light, goodness. And some people are blind to that light in them. Remember Jesus said, oh, if the light that is in you, how, how, how great is that darkness then? If the light that is in you, you can't see it. Well, the light is in you, but if you don't see it, it's darkness to you. Then how great is that darkness? Because, oh my goodness, the, imagine the revelation of that good news and that light. 1 John 4, love, love, love this. This next two slides. This is from uh, 1 John 4, 16 to 19. So we have known and believe the love that God has for us. Here it is. God is love. And those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment. By the way, the day of judgment, another misconception of, there, God's going to get you now, ha, ha, ha. No. It's like a medical doctor judging you and assessing you, poke, 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 and it doesn't hurt, good. Or poke, 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 ouch, wait a minute, that's not supposed to hurt when I do that. Oh, so I judge this, that needs work, that needs healing. That's what a doctor does. So the judgment of Jesus is not to scare the crap out of you. It's the, I'm gonna reveal to you and I'm judging you as I've created you to be. I've created you pure, holy, righteous, forgiven, good, full of light and love. I judge you as that my judgment is perfect. You want to judge like that? I want to judge like that. That's judgment day. It's not like that stupid little cartoon book that called, was called This Was Your Life where you have to sit through and there's a big screen in heaven and everybody's got to watch your stuff, everything you did bad, and go, oh no, and this was your life, right? <coughs> it's, it's supposed to make you feel crappy. I'm sorry, that's not Jesus. Jesus does not bring shame. He doesn't do shame. He doesn't do guilt. 
He does love and forgiveness. And for those that have yeah buts, and what about this? That's great. I'm not going to answer those because I, I can't answer your yeah buts. I'm showing you what I'm seeing as the foundation for all that we are and do. This is it. God is love. It's not an app on your phone that God pulls out and, okay, got to love that one now. Oh, that one's wrath. I, let's get wrath on that one. No. God's DNA is love. And he only acts according to his nature. We may have written records of things that don't look like love. They may be incomplete and inaccurate. Jesus even alluded to that. Jesus said to them, hey, no one's seen the Father, nobody. But there was records of people seeing angels and God and all that stuff, and Jesus says, no one. Huh. But he has, and he came to reveal the correct picture of the Father. Love has been perfected among us. That we may have boldness on the day of judgment because he is, as he is, so are we in this world. Huh. But wait a minute. What? Because as he is, so are we in this world? Did you ever skip over that line? <laughs> I have. Let's pause for just a moment. What is God like? As he is, so are we in this world. Is God holy? That's an easy answer. You can even nod your head instead of just, yes, God's holy. So if God is holy, so are you in this world. Is God righteous? Yes, so are you in this world. Is God loving? Yes, so are you in this world. Yeah, but I don't always act like it. Exactly. But you are. Start acting like who you are. Hmm. That, you can go, that's a whole sermon. Anyway. There is no fear in love. Huh. So, are we afraid to see Jesus? Are we afraid to see God? What's he going to say to us? Well, we don't have to fear what he's going to say to us. It's going to be love. That's it. Not, yeah, but. Look at the list of stuff. How could you do that? I grew up with that. that, that that's what I grew up believing. That there's a scary drudge up all your stuff, make you feel like dirt, and then God will say, See, see how much I forgave you. There, you better love me back well. <laughs> it's like, what? There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. Ooh, so we're all on a journey of discovering what love is and who love is. We love, here's the best line, oh, second best line. We love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. How many times have we told people you must love God more, especially in Sunday school or church? You know, we, we tell children and when we tell backsliders that are looking for answers, oh, you gotta love God more. Here's how you do it, here's the list. 
<laughs> it's usually churchy to-do lists, usually. But no, 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 no. Just like the devotional from Henry Nouwen, reflecting on what is already true, pausing and sensing that God already loves you. When we live from that revelation or from that awakening that God really loves us, then we love. Those that are crusty and sharp and, and snappy are either stressed, have forgotten God loves, that God loves them, or were never told fully. They thought it was a conditional love. That if you do this and this and this, God will be pleased, a.k.a. love you, if you do these things. That's not true. God loves you. God loves the world. Before they even said a prayer. That's so different than what I heard. Had I really believed this growing up, I may not have had all the spiritual trauma that I'm still recovering from. And there are some here, part of Hope Fellowship, that never had that trauma. They've heard a message of hope and good news their whole life. And so when I share some of this, they go, I never had that. I don't understand where you're coming from. <laughs> it's like, you're so lucky. I want my kids to not have that trauma. I want them to know God loves them no matter what. God completely accepts them and deeply values them. Psalm 145, verses 8 and 9 says, The Lord is merciful and compassionate, quick to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. Oh, sorry. Slow to get angry and filled with conditional love. Huh. The Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry. Then why are we so tiptoeing around thinking God's going to get us if we mess up. I was having a conversation with someone yesterday, having a tension in a relationship with a, another loved one. And I thought, huh, what if the other loved one who's trying to control the situation here, do they believe in God? And they do. But do they believe God? Do they believe God's big enough to get their attention? Do you believe God's big enough to get your attention for anything? Yes. Good answer. <laughs> okay. I, I believe that. I believe God is big enough. To, if he needs us to catch a truth, he'll make it happen. You can relax. So if he can do it for you, can he do it for the other person? Yes. So quit trying to help God out, okay? He doesn't need your help. You're not the Holy Spirit. So quit pretending to be the fourth person of the Trinity. Religious people like to play that. They really do. He's slow to get angry. Filled with unfailing love. The Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all his creation. That's a pretty good piece of light from the Old Testament. This is the God we need to believe in. Romans 2, 4. 
Or do you despise the riches of his kindness and, the, and forbearance and patience? Do you not realize that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? Oh, that's very opposite of the evangelism programs I grew up in. <laughs> Can you cringe a little bit with me? It's called scare the hell out of them. Then maybe they'll say the prayer. And then those that try to support that will say, well, at least they said the prayer. Can I do an eye roll emoji, like a really big one? Like, oh my goodness. It's God's kindness and goodness that draws us and attracts us to him. I don't believe anyone who calls himself a Christian. Well, let me rephrase that. There are people who are not Christians who see Christians and say, they, they never say, oh, they're too much like Jesus. You don't hear that. <laughs> right? Think about it. You hear the opposite. Jesus we love, but boy, his followers, they're, they're weird. They have their own language. I don't get it. Uh, they have a special sign card that you have to get in. Like the church has made fun of Freemasonry because of all the secrecy. Listen, listen, the evangelical church has its own secrets and a little secret society of how it lets people in and into role. Like, quit judging. That's why I want to get to this love. Let's look at what does matter. This matters. For the message translation, it says God is kind, but he's not soft. In kindness, he takes us firmly by the hand and leads us into a radical life change. Do you reach your hand out for somebody you don't trust? Or someone you're super scared of? Watch children. They can sense the character of a person. They run to them if they're safe. They may not even know them. But there's a sense. They have a sense that we have forgotten to use. We have it, we just don't use it. But children are more free to trust and believe. They're not always right, neither are we. But this is. The Greek word for love, I wanna talk about this for just a few minutes because I think this is important. I thought there were four, but there's actually seven. This is from a psychology paper uh, uh, online. Uh, I've saved it for a number of years, and I, th I think it's amazing. Seven types of love, each with a name from ancient Greek. You'll recognize most of them. Eros. Eros is sexual or passionate love, and, and most akin to the modern construct of romantic love. Now, there's been some dispute about that, and that's fine, but let's just go with it for now, because it doesn't hinder the point that we're going to make. But that's, that's how this has been described um, by most. Then we have philea, like fish. Just kidding. The hallmark of philea is a friendship or a shared goodwill. Like it's, you know, I love Jesse, good buddy, you know, that, that kind of love. Then we have storge, which is more of a parental, family love. It's a kind of, kind of philea. Um, pertaining to the love between parents and their children. So that's what that storge is. And these are the words that are used in the Greek back when the scriptures were written. Agape, this is the one we're talking about. Can be said to encompass the modern concept of altruism, 
as defined as unselfish concern for the welfare of others. This is the others-centered love. This is the word used in that text that says love is patient, love is kind. That is the description of who God is. This is God. The other words that you'd never heard of before, ludus or a playful, uncommitted love, much more compatible with phleia. Preg, pragma, a kind of practical love founded on reason or duty and one's longer-term interests. And then, love which can be healthy or unhealthy. So this is a, a self-love. And self-love is important. But some people can over-self-love themselves and become self-obsessed. That's not healthy. Which means agape, our DNA, your DNA, is the one we are to live from. Nothing in nature, in, sorry, nothing in the nature lives for itself. Rivers don't drink their own water. Trees don't eat their own fruit. The sun doesn't shine for itself. A flower's fragrance is not for itself. Living for each other is the rule of nature. I came across this quote. I thought it was, it fit agape. What do I get out of it? Or what about my needs? Well, there's your first sign of immature hissy fit. My needs. My, mine. <laughs> it's embarrassing when you see how silly it looks. But when agape becomes a growing pattern in your day-to-day and how you speak, think, and act you're going to look more like Jesus. You're going to sound more like Jesus. 1 Corinthians 13. I'm going to read this from the New Living Translation. I'm going to read this from two translations. I'm not going to get done today. I know it. If I could speak in all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, this is agape, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. We know people that are noisy gongs and clanging cymbals, don't we? If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would be gaining nothing. Love, agape, is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. Wait a minute. God is love. God does not demand his own way? I'm not making this up. Oh, I love this next one. It is not irritable. <laughs> How many times do we think God's irritable or just ready, just in his last nerve with some of us? <laughs> no. And this is also not the to-do list for, for marriages. It's read at weddings often, and I read it at weddings often, but I never describe it as the to-do list. This is what love looks like. If you say you love someone, first of all, you can't project this on them and say, here, do this to me. You can't do that. You just became boastful, proud, and you're like, seriously, it's the opposite of love. But you yourself are the only one who can take this and begin to be this. 
It keeps no record of when it has been wrong. Now that one is hard. How many would agree? That one's hard. <laughs> really hard. Because we got good memories. Jesus does not keep a record of our wrongs. Gulp. On this side or the other side. That's, that's pretty big. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Like, ha, they had it coming. <laughs> I've never done that. <laughs> Sometimes we smile at other people's, what we think is justice, but it's injustice. But that's a mockery. That's not true love. We have switched to ego when we do that. That does not reflect the love of Christ. Oops. Yeah. Love never gives up. This sounds like a Rick Ashley song. Anyway, love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful. That was terrible, sorry. Is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. I see too many people trying to go after this special knowledge stuff in unknown languages. They're, they're trying to go for the prophecy. I'm not knocking it, but I'm sorry. There's a better one. Love. Go for love. I want to read it one more time. But you just read it. I know. This is from... The First Nations translation it has a beautiful twist in the wording. You know how in repetition you learn more? <laughs> I may have the gift of speaking in both the languages of human beings and of spirit messengers, but if I fail to love, my words become like the screech of a cat or the yelping of a wild dog. I may have prophetic powers and the ability to see into sacred mysteries and understand all things. I may even have faith strong enough to make mountains move, but if I fail to love, I am nothing. I may give all my possessions to the poor and give my body to, the, to be burned as a sacrifice, but if I fail to love, I have gained no honor. Love, agape, is patient and kind. Love is never jealous. It does not brag or boast. It is not puffed up or big-headed. Love does not act in shameful ways, nor does it care only about itself. It is not hot-headed, nor does it keep track of wrongs done to it. Love is not happy with lies and injustice, but truth makes it's heart glad. Love keeps walking, even when carrying a heavy load. Love keeps trusting, never loses hope, and stands firm in hard times. The road of love has no end. The time will come when prophets are no longer needed, when people will stop speaking in unknown languages, and when the need for knowledge will fade away. For we only know some of the story can only prophesy small parts. But the time is coming when we will know the whole story from the beginning to the end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child, and I saw through the eyes of a child. But when I became a fully grown, I put my childish ways behind me. For now, 
It is as if we are looking into a poor reflection in muddy water. Then we will see face to face. For now, my knowledge is full of holes. Hint, hint. (laughs) But when that time comes, I will know the great spirit as well as I am known by him. But until then, these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. And love is the greatest. That's a lot. Put God in front of each one. God is patient, God is kind. God keeps no record of wrongs. God is not irritable. And now think, the DNA of God is one with you. You are capable of living that life. Remember Jesus doing all that cool stuff, walking on water and raising dead people. We think, ah, that's pretty cool. He had the God card, of course. He could do that. We can't. No, 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 no. Jesus was perfectly human. He did not live out of his deity. He lived out of his humanity and lived with every single same frustration, tension, temptation that you and I live with. And he did it while depending on his father, abided in his father constantly. He constantly went out and spent time talking to his heavenly father. Sometimes he probably, he might have needed to hear he was loved and okay because, man, those voices were terrible in that world, same as they are today. But he did it and never sinned. Hmm. In the same way, we are to abide in Jesus. That's the only to-do. That's the only to-do list. We don't want to send you out on a Sunday, here's your to-do list for the week. Some of them are fun and it's okay, but... When it's a duty, come and get your checklist for, for the next week. That's, that's unhelpful because then who do you depend on? The checklist people, not the Holy Spirit who lives in you. Learn to hear the voice of the Spirit. That's good news. We're going to continue next week. I got some stuff from the Psalms that show the same other-centered love that I think you're going to love, especially in Psalm 23. Let's uh, close our time with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, can you reveal your love in us again? I know you can get our attention. For those who may have been exposed to faulty expressions of faith and religion and people who call themselves Christians and yet didn't act like the loving Christ, will you show them the real love so that what they are rejecting isn't the real Jesus. They're rejecting a false concept. And for us too, in our personal journeys, may we look and sound more like you as we believe you love us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, The love of God is dangerous. It's a slippery slope. You may just slide right into the arms of your loving father. (laughs) Baxter Kruger. Just love, everyone. I'll sort them out later.
that was on a church sign. It means don't judge. Because the judge, Jesus, judges better than any of us, and it's a welcoming judgment. 